So Philippians 2 and verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now, with that in mind, I don't want you to come with me to Exodus, but let me read uh, the third commandment from Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. Exodus 20 and verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guilty, guiltless who misuses His name. Amen. And we thank God for His Word to us this morning. Nigel. Well, we are thinking about this third commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. I, I have a certain sympathy for the rich young ruler as we are going through these commandments. You remember how the rich young ruler uh, came to Jesus. He came and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus uh, said to him eventually, you know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. And, and the rich young ruler said, if you remember, he said, all these I have kept since I was a boy. There's something in us, isn't there, that likes to look at the commandments and, and sort of almost treat them superficially and think, oh, yeah, 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 I, 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 think, I think I'm okay. I, I maybe have a bit of an issue with that one, but I, I can tick off, you know, two, six, four, or five, and, and uh, I think I'm doing fairly well with those. And then, of course, what happened was that Jesus uh, challenged him and uh, said to him, uh, that he had to sell all he had and, and come and follow him. And, and Jesus was showing him that his reading of the commandments was superficial, that he was someone who was covetous, he was, he, his heart was all wrong, and so on. And that the, the, the commandments reached much, much deeper than the rich young ruler uh, thought. And that's really where we are, isn't it? We, we look at these commandments and we begin to realize that they go so much further than we think, and a superficial reading of them is not what we need. 
Now, before we jump into number three, let's just remind ourselves in a sentence or two uh, what the the commandments are for. We have said that traditionally uh, Christians think about uh, there being three uses for the law, three uses for the commandments, and they are uh, that they are a fence and a mirror and a, a map, sometimes we say. So, they are a fence in that they curb our sinfulness. They say to the world, there are rights and wrongs, and this is wrong, and, and this is right. And so, by that uh, way, they, they sort of put a, a, a limit on uh, human sinfulness, or they ought to. And, and then they are a mirror that exposes our hearts, that we look in the mirror, we think we're sort of clean, but then we begin to, to look in the mirror, and we realize that we're not who we think we are. And we realize, oh, goodness, yes, God says this, and, 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 and I do I tell lies, and I do covet, and, and, and I put other things before God, and so on. And, and therefore, in that sense, it, it points us to Christ. It, it is something that says to us, you're not who you think you are. You really do need Jesus, you know. So, they are a mirror to help us see ourselves as we really are. And then they are a map. Having become Christians, having come to Christ, they are a rule to live by. We, we, we sometimes uh, describe them as that map that shows us the path to walk. Once we've had our sin exposed, once we have come to Christ and become Christians, we, we sort of say, now, what now? What does it mean to, to walk in obedience? And uh, the answer is that we, we do the things that God says we should do. It, they, they help us, therefore, to see what it means to be godly, what it means to be Christ-like. Now, in the very structure of Exodus, we realize that it is this third use of the law that is particularly highlighted by the way the commandments are given, because they are given to a redeemed people. God introduces them by saying that He is the one who has brought them out of Egypt. They have been rescued. He doesn't come to them in Egypt and say, I've got some commandments, and if you do them, then we'll see if you will be rescued. No, He rescues them by His grace And then he says to them, now that you have been rescued, this is how you are to live. This is a map for you uh, to know how to live in order to be blessed and to please me. And we need to know, of course, that it is God's purpose to bless His people, and the giving of His law is for our flourishing and our thriving and for our good. So, not misusing God's name is a blessing to us. So, let's think about it. First of all, what can we say? First of all, we've got to say we must see God's name as special. Boys and girls are are writing, our young people are writing down some of these uh, titles. So, we we see God's name as special. We've got to see God's name as special. It is always a a lovely thing to to find a a new uh, little one in church and to hear uh, the, the name that is going to be given to this little one. And then sometimes we'll, we'll ask, you know, does that name have any connection to your family? And sometimes there's a, somebody in the family tree uh, uh, that, that, that the, the name is being picked up again. Sometimes it's just because we, we like the, the, the sound of it. But, but we know, as we were saying to the boys and girls, that, that rarely does someone's name and the meaning of it have a particular connection uh, to uh, what they're really like. But that wasn't the case in, the, in Bible days. The meanings of names were much, much more important. 
And in the Bible, the names that people were given said something about their, their character or indeed about their, their parents' hope for their character. And sometimes that fact is so significant that God actually changes people's names. He changes Abram to Abraham, for example, and Saul to Paul. And it's as if he's saying, something so profound has happened to you, there's something so significant has changed in you that this old name will not do. We need a new name to, to reflect what's going on with you. Now, we've got to really magnify that whenever we, we come to God because His name really does represent Him. He is a, a, the one who has revealed Himself by giving us His names. That's one of the things we've got to realize. We name our children, we, we name animals, we, we, we name things within the world, but we don't name God. God gives us His name. He, he reveals Himself to us. Remember Moses stands in front of the burning bush. We have it here in the front of the pulpit. And uh, he, he, he asks God, who shall I say sends me as, as God commissions him to go and to lead his people out of Egypt? And uh, Moses knows he's dealing with God, but, but he, he doesn't know all that much about God. And he says, no, I, I really need to know who you are, God. And, and uh, God says, I am who I am. He reveals something of Himself, this self-existent, all-powerful, all-knowing God. God's name represents who He is. And so, God's name, you see, can stand for who He is and, and, and what He does. And there's a sense in which that's familiar to us even in, in normal life because we talk about companies having a good name or, or a person having a good name. Their name represents them. So, so, for example, the Bible says these sorts of things about God's name. We've been singing about some of them already. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. We, we pray in Jesus' name. We, 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 we pray as we pray the Lord's Prayer, and we say, hallowed be thy name. The psalmist says, I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name I will hope for your name is good. You see, it's, it's, it's representing who God is. To, so, to say to, to, to uh, as the psalmist says, that we hope in God's name means we're relying on His reputation, we're relying on what He has done, on who He says He is, and everything uh, that He claims to be. So, God's name is very special because God is special. And, and then the second thing we want to say is that we shouldn't treat, we must not treat God lightly, His God's name lightly. We mustn't treat God and His name lightly. And this is especially in the third commandment with our, our words. The authorized version is actually quite helpful here. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So, what does it mean to take something in vain? A vanity is something that is inconsequential, or we might say has, has little importance or little weight. Uh, there were a number of books in my student days that, that uh, I read that, that had a real impact on me, and one of them was a, a book by a man called uh, David Wells. I've quoted uh, this often 
uh, over the years in Hill Street, a book called No Place for Truth. There was a, a particular paragraph in it that really struck me, and he, he charted uh, that as a society, uh, we were pushing God to the margins of our, uh, our society and so on. And of course, that's 30 years ago, and things have moved on a lot since then. And, and one of the things he said was, was this, it is one of the defining marks of our time that God is now weightless. I do not mean that He is ethereal, but rather that He has become unimportant. He rests upon the world so inconsequentially as not to be noticeable. He rests upon the world so inconsequentially as not to be noticeable. And of course, that's very much the spirit of our age, isn't it? We, we don't have this sense of God normally in our lives, within our society. And that's reflected then in the way that people speak about God. So often, the way that God's name is used, it is just used uh, as a swear word. Some of you will go into workplaces tomorrow, uh, and, and the whole you will hear God's name talked about more often than you have today in church, but it will not be used reverently. It will be used uh, as a swear word. And that says two things, I think, to us. It says on the one hand that as a society, we can't quite get away from God. Isn't it interesting that as we choose to, to say a, a strong things, we, we invoke the name of God because although He rests upon us inconsequentially, we cannot escape Him. But on the other hand, it is saying that we're treating him as of little consequence. He's just a name to add impact to our speaking and to our sentences. But remember that these commands are not given to our colleagues, first of all, in the workplace or to the world. They are given here in Exodus to God's people. Now, how might we treat God lightly as His people? How might we treat His name lightly as, as His people? Well, one is that we might pay Him just lip service. This is a big theme in the Scriptures. God says in Isaiah 29, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's quite a sentence, isn't it? These are His people. They are taking up the name of the Lord in worship. They are, are singing and praying, and, and, and they are just going through the motions. And we've got to say, how many of us are, are, are guilty of that at some point? Singing in Hill Street is fantastic. It's one of those things that, that as somebody comes in, it just it strikes them. But imagine what our singing would be like if the only words that were able to come out of our mouths were when we really meant them or when they were fully wholehearted. I think the volume would be down a bit, wouldn't it? To, to take God's name in worship when our hearts are not really connected to what we're doing is to some extent to take His name in vain. It's to treat Him as of little consequence. Uh, Jen Wilkin, in, in her little book, super little book, Ten Words to Live By on the Ten Commandments, she says this, uh, this idea of, of paying God lip service. This is the parent who requires her child to apologize to her while never apologizing for her own missteps. 
It is the mentor who dispenses godly wisdom to a young believer that he himself has not learned to employ. It is the man who prays publicly with great piety and eloquence, but whose private prayer life is non-existent. It is the greeter at church who smiles broadly and shakes hands, but earlier that morning has berated his family for being slow to get in the car. And so she goes on. You can just imagine the sorts of things that we begin to think about <clears throat> as we think about paying lip service to God. So, so we could pay lip service to God. We could change His words. We see large sections of the professing Christian church today engaging in some of the great moral debates of our time. And effectively what they're saying is, well, yes, we know that the Bible says this, but we think that God really thinks something else. Or maybe they don't even reference the Bible at all. Oh, I'm sure God understands this, or God understands that. Isn't it interesting that the thing that God always seems to understand is the very thing that we want to do, or the very thing that we want to approve? And that's to change God's words and to take His name in vain. Or, or, or we could withhold God's name. Exodus 9.16 says this, For this reason I have allowed you to remain, in order to show you my power, and in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. God's intention is that His name would be known as far as the, 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 the corners of the earth. And we, we trust His name ourselves. We take shelter in, in it. And yet, we withhold it from others sometimes, don't we? We say, someone else will tell people about Jesus. Someone else will support world mission. Someone else will respond to the Great Commission and go. Are we not then taking the name of the Lord in vain? Are we not treating His name as a, a light thing, as of no real consequence? So, so we must not treat God's name lightly. Well, what would help us with that? What would help us treasure His name? Well, two things, two, two further things. First of all, we, we need to remember that, that Jesus gave up His name. Jesus gave up His name. And this table illustrates that for us today. Remember the reading that we had from Philippians your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself to death, even to death on a cross. So there is Jesus in heaven, as it were, with, with His heavenly Father, equal with His Father in every way. He has a name. He has a reputation. He is praised. He has authority and power. And, and he, he gives up that name. He did not consider it something to be grasped, but He came down into this world. And, and when He was in this world, He, he did not have a name. He, he had a, a title, of course, but He had so much stripped away from him, didn't he? He was, as the old prophecy says, despised and rejected by men. And it comes to the point where it says in Jesus' story that they twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on his head and they put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him 
And they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And even as he hung on the cross, those who passed by mocked him and hurled insults at him. Jesus gave up his name. He allowed it to be trampled in the dust. He allowed himself to be taken to the cross so that we might live. In other words, he allowed his name to be trampled in the dust so that your name and my name might endure. It's incredible. I wonder, does that motivate us a little bit? Does it help us uh, say this day uh, that, that this is not about making a name for myself. It's about bringing honor to God's name. It's about spreading His name. And this table is just a, a recognition, isn't it, that, that the Lord Jesus gave up His name. And one of the things that's happening today, even as we are here, is that God is allowing His name to continue to be misused. He's allowing those, those workplace uh, conversations that happen to be peppered with His name as a swear word. Why? Because He is withholding the end of all things so that people might turn to Him and put their trust in Him. He's allowing His name to be trampled so that our names might endure. The last thing that might help us is that we must know that His name will be honored by all. One day, His name will be honored by all. We pray, hallowed be thy name, and one day it will be, as all bow before it. We read from Philippians that that reading goes on, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, we know that on that day, some will bow in adoration and wonder and some will bow in fear and continued hostility. But His name will be recognized by all. There will be honor given to His name. And so that's where we're heading. And because we will bow in praise and wonder, that should help us today honor His name and not misuse it. So, that third commandment, do not misuse God's name. God's name is special. God's name should not be misused. Jesus allowed His name to be trampled, that our name might endure, and one day His name will be honored by all.